Good evening, I'm Arlene Bonin, and this is On Point. We're going to go there. It was the second live hearing for the January 6th committee, and we ask ourselves some questions. When we began last week, are we witnessing history? Lots of comparisons with Watergate. And then a bit of despair in America and those who watch it and are concerned about democracy, because is any evidence going to matter? Will a former president ever have to be responsible for the actions like the ones we are hearing about in this committee hearing? Today, the focus kind of picked up from the last one, like a good television production. We heard from Ivanka and the shots from within the House last week. These were Republicans talking about what the former president was doing, the lie he was telling, the evidence that he was given that it just wasn't true. And today in the hearing, we heard how he didn't seem to care. He repeated the lie. He took advice from a a drunk Rudy Giuliani on the night of the election to go ahead and say he'd won. And he said, okay, I will. And then January 6th and the violence and the promoting of it. And there were more Republicans talking about the former president's behavior today. Joining us is Professor Stephen Farnsworth, professor of political science at the University of Mary Washington in Virginia, author of a lot of books, including Presidential Communication and Character, White House News Management, from Clinton and Cable to Twitter and Trump. Welcome. Good evening, Professor Farnsworth. Thank you for joining us. Glad to be here. Here we are um, with the second committee hearing, and the stakes were high. They were high from the beginning, not to lose interest, try to grab a a tired and radical and polarized America and really the world and make them take notice. And most of the reviews, and they had a lot of uh, viewers on the first one, said they kind of pulled it off. What do you think about today? Again, hearing from Republicans and people that even Donald Trump had had promoted himself, saying he was told repeatedly there was no evidence of fraud. What's your feeling on the takeaways from today, Professor? Well, I think there are a couple of things above all to recognize with the conversation so far. First of all, that almost all of the voices that you're hearing are Republicans who are inside the administration. This is not Democratic critics of the president. These were his closest staffers. These were members of the cabinet, members at the top level of his campaign, members of his own family talking about how the election was lost and how um, despite all the court hearings, despite all the investigations, um, you saw a president who was unwilling to admit defeat. Um, what the other thing that's really important here is that this story is not just about the run up to the uh, attack on the Capitol on January 6th. It was also about months of planning to try to disrupt the legitimate transfer of power. Months of efforts by President Trump, who had set the stage for an election being stolen even before the votes were cast. It's a really, really compelling conversation uh, made more powerful by the fact that just about everybody you're hearing from was an insider in the Trump White House. It was, you know, and the former attorney general, Bill Barr, who really did a lot of the former president's billing, 
he he followed him, he enabled him, and there were many people in the legal profession who had a lot of criticism from him. But he was very clear. He's back on the scene today. How much? How he told Donald Trump that there was no evidence. Is this, in your opinion, tying things, the actions, because they have to produce something here, that the actions that Donald Trump took knowingly led to what happened on January 6th, the big lie. He believed it, he promoted it, and he put it to use. Yeah, and that's what the uh, the hearings are, are doing in a very, very effective way. They are demonstrating the president's intent, that this was something that was going on for months, setting the stage for a violent effort to try to remain in power. Um, the, from the tweets to the denial of evidence, from rejecting the advice of every top official around him in the know that this was a legitimate election and that he did not win it. Uh, All of these things really sort of point to this direction. I mean, when you think about the number of areas where Trump faces legal challenge here, uh, it's really quite immense. You have, of course, the effort to block a congressional proceeding. You have uh, promoting insurrection. You have efforts to undermine the rule of law, obstruction of justice, and all all these other things. You also, of course, have the individual charges in the individual states, you know, when, uh, and this is one of the things we'll be hearing in the coming days, the conversation will now shift to some of these efforts to try to create phony electors, to try to pressure the vice president, Mike Pence, to simply declare that the, uh, the hearings and the electors are not legitimately delivered. Uh, There are a whole series of stories yet to come that speak to the range of uh, criminal charges that may be brought against this president. It's true, and it also implicates the former president. It also implicates those who enabled him. We're hearing the other side. I I think a a couple of the people who spoke today talked about being on— on Team Normal. I think the Bill Barr said that, and it was repeated by somebody else. But when you look at it, there were enablers there. Were they on Team Normal? Well, I, I think that someone like the former attorney general wants to present himself as being on Team Normal now because, you know, he's not about to go to jail for Donald Trump. He's speaking about what happened. He's being forthright about it. He doesn't want uh, to be in a position that he himself uh, is is in the dock. Remember, uh, President Nixon's former attorney general uh, was was part of the Watergate uh, conspirators who went to jail. Uh, and so there is a you know a dynamic here that when you're at the center of the action and you um, don't like what happened, and the story ends with the vice you know the vice president refusing to do what the president wanted and the president having to leave office well then you know your perspective might change but let's not forget that the former attorney general um, mr barr also didn't tell the country the truth about the Mueller report um, mm-hmm. and undermined the uh the effort to try to uh, create a, a case for trump's impeachment involving a, a shakedown basically of the new ukrainian president uh, who wanted uh, weapons to defend himself against Russia, mm-hmm. but Trump was only willing to provide those if uh, he would make statements about how the Ukrainians were digging up dirt on the Biden family. And so um, and so the effort um, to try to whitewash one's own reputation after the fact is not new uh, to this attorney general, but make no mistake about it. Although 
He is, of course, a very powerful weapon against the former president right now. He was a very powerful ally back when Trump was president. He certainly was. And I guess that makes it a little bit more powerful. But you're right. It doesn't take away all the responsibility. We also heard today, too, that there was a lie. And then there were was the effort, the successful efforts of the president to make money off that lie, the fundraising. So those who gave money and believed in him bought into the lie as well. Well, this and this is uh, another area of potential legal jeopardy. Uh, when you uh, are advertising that you're creating a fund to, uh, to, to, to fight the case that the election was being stolen, um, and then you actually spend the money in other ways, like putting it in your political action campaign funds, and you um, basically spend money at Trump hotels and other things, um, there's the potential charge here of wire fraud. Um, this is not, of course, these issues of, of proper use of donated funds uh, are not new to the to the Trump family. There have been problems with respect to their uh, educational, you know, Trump University that they built, issues with respect to uh, various charitable organizations that ran afoul of federal law and had to be shut down. So there are all, all kinds of issues here that have come out that that, you know, are maybe incidentally related to January 6th, but open up a whole new area of potential legal liability. But make no mistake about it, for a significant part of the country, uh, they're willing to donate to Trump still. They're willing to support him still. Um, It is, you know, it may be astonishing as we go through this extraordinary catalog of prosecutable matters relating to the former president, but, you know, he's more likely than not to be the Republican nominee in 2024 if he runs. It is true. And, you know, when we're we're watching this and seeing all those around him, you're right, Watergate, they're the people who went to jail. And I see the committee today said they were not going to make a recommendation on whether or not charges should be laid. A wise move, in my opinion. But Merrick Garland said today the Department of Justice was watching. That seemed to be a signal. And Merrick Garland has been criticized by many of not doing enough and it looks like perhaps they're worried about precedents. Are they wise to worry uh, about precedent? Well, I think the key issue here is that building a case, particularly for someone as slippery as the Trump uh, you know, family, uh, takes a lot of effort. You need a lot of people who are being uh, forthright about what they saw and what they knew. And so this committee is telling the story to the country Probably a lot of that information is already known to the prosecutors, but little by little you build a case, and you know at some point you know you you give people the opportunity. Do you want to be uh, taking the fall for the former president, or do you want to tell the story in a way that might limit the damage to you? Um, and so I, I think it's very important that this isn't just seen as some sort of run and gun partisan hit job. I think that uh, that Merrick Garland is building a case that uh, can be. Uh, prosecuted effectively. Um, And that takes time. I think a lot of people in America are really impatient. They really Mm -hmm. do not understand why there hasn't been more progress in the case against Trump than we've seen so far. But it's important to recognize that lawyers don't move quickly. Judges don't move quickly. And particularly when there are people every step of the way refusing to release documents. Um, And of course, the Trump administration left office without leaving documents that were required by law for them to leave under the Presidential Records Act. So there's a whole nother set of potential criminal charges relating to the 
hours and hours of government records on January 6th that were not preserved as required under federal law. And there was reporting Mark Meadows may have burned some of those documents. So, I mean, we looked at the president, the president of Watergate, and there was a, a tape and the, the missing hunk of the tape. Who knows? We'll continue with this. But would it be fair to say, Professor Finley, do you think they're pulling this off? They did. As we said at the beginning, they had a high bar, but they seem to have grabbed the attention of America and the world. Yeah, I mean, I think that you're hearing from some people in the U.S. that uh, this isn't going to change a, a, a lot of minds. And I, I think that's basically true. I mean, if, for most Americans, they've come to the decision whether they like Trump or not, and that's going to be pretty fixed. There are probably not that many persuadable people about Trump in America, but that's not, the, I think, the point of the hearing. The question is um, convincing those people, uh, a majority of the country, that something really, really wrong happened here and that democracy was greatly at risk. And if you don't take it seriously this time, efforts to try to create a coup like this may be more successful next time. And I think that's the key lesson here. Even uh, even among uh, the Trump supporters, they wouldn't want to see these things done uh, against them. No, and that is very, very true. It's for the record. And lest we forget, waiting in the weeds are powerful Republicans who are ambitious, like DeSantis, and this can be used to push the former president aside from those who want to take his place. So uh, the plot thickens. Professor Stephen Farnsworth, thank you. Great to have you tonight. Have a good evening. Professor Farnsworth is the professor of political science, University of Mary Washington in Virginia, and wrote a lot of books, including one right on theme here, Presidential Communication and Character. How good is that as we watch character? I'm Arlene Bynum. This is On Point.